I'm Kevin Chambers, technologist with NCMM, the National Center for Mobility Management. And this is Conversations with Leaders, a podcast funded by NCMM. Check out all our resources aimed at mobility managers at nc4mm.org. Today, I'm talking with Elliot McFadden. Elliot is a shared use mobility industry leader with over a decade of experience bringing innovative solutions to market in the transportation space. As the Greater Minnesota Shared Mobility Program Coordinator at the Minnesota Department of Transportation, he helps communities and transit agencies throughout Minnesota plan and pilot new services using shared use mobility options, including car share, ride share, bike share, scooters, and microtransit. The topic today is the Southern Minnesota Mobility as a Service Project, funded by a Federal Transit Administration Accelerating Innovative Mobility, or AIM, grant. Stay tuned. Elliot McFadden, welcome to NCMM's Mobility Alliance. It's great to have you here. Tell me a little bit about you and your work. Yeah, thanks for having me here today. I am a professional in the shared mobility space uh, that's been working in that space for over 16 years. I started with founding and operating the first car sharing service in the state of Texas. And then I moved on to be the founding CEO of the Bike Share Program in Austin, Texas, uh, where I was also a co-founder of the North American Bike Share Association. And now I work for the Minnesota DOT, or we'll call it MnDOT for the podcast. And I am the Greater Minnesota Shared Mobility Coordinator. So I work with public transit agencies and communities in what we call Greater Minnesota, so that area of the state that is outside of the Twin Cities, to identify shared mobility services that can help meet community need. And the program itself came out of the rideshare program that was funded through FHWA in our office. And there was a decision made when we had the person formerly in this position retiring to really revamp it, move beyond just looking at things like van pools and carpools to look at all of the different kind of shared mobility technologies that are out there. Uh, and I joined MnDOT in January of 2020 to really revamp that program, create new programming around the state and to lead projects. That's exciting. And sounds like one of those projects is the focus of our podcast today, which is this program in the southeast corner of the state, right? You want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, so we applied for and received a grant from the Federal Transit Administration under their Accelerating Innovative Mobility or AIM program, uh, which is a continuation of various innovative technology funds that FTA has put together. They have a new acronym each each round. So AIM is the one that we're working on uh, here. And we applied to do a regional mobility as a service platform. And so mobility as a service or MOS means a lot of things to a lot of different people. But from our perspective, it's, it's a digital platform that's a single place where folks can look at all of their trip options, be able to choose between transit and other shared mobility providers, plan trips, pay for trips, and where information is available, track trips in real time. Uh, and so we put together an application back in 2020, received funding from FTA to move forward with that project. We're partnering with seven transit agencies in southern Minnesota, as well as private providers, 
and it's a mix of some small urban systems that are more of a fixed route service, as well as rural systems, which are pretty much 100% demand response, as well as providers like InterCity Bus, CarShare, Amtrak, those kind of providers as well. And the goal of the project is to take a look at this technology, better understand it. It's, it's in concert with our statewide transit technology plan on how MnDOT is looking to invest in new technologies to improve public transit and shared mobility. So uh, our long-term goal is at the end of this project to evaluate that and make decisions on whether we want to invest in scaling all or part of the technologies being developed. Across to the rest of the state. Correct. Oh, that's exciting then. So you basically are creating a pilot in one part of the state that the parts of which you find are scalable and reproducible, you could move them into other parts of the state afterwards. Yeah, a key part of this is understanding the potential benefits of the technology for improving experiences with transit, encouraging folks to move out of single occupancy vehicle trips as well as understand you know, how we might want to scale those, those technologies. Is that something that the state would lead? Is that something that would be done more regionally throughout the state or um, individual communities and transit agencies leading that effort? So to integrate all these different agencies, you've got rural, you've got small urban fixed route, probably a lot of different organizations, a lot of different communities. Sounds like there's a lot of alignment work that needs to happen. And it sounds like there's also some technology that needs to be developed that isn't really very mature yet. So I'm curious where you feel like the heavy lifts are or where the the effort is both on the technical and the non-technical side of the project. Yeah, so we're doing a couple innovative things here, aside from the scale, the number of providers in in region. Uh, One of the things that we're doing with this project is looking at making the platform as open as possible. So we're partnering with our technology vendor, which is uh, Cambridge Systematic as our project lead, uh, but also with some subcontractors of theirs, including the Transit app and Token Transit to do some integration around payment and to provide an app for folks. But one of the things that Cambridge is going to be doing is building a platform that is behind the scenes and connecting all those different data sources that is more open, that is shareable across other platforms. So while Transit App will be the app that we use on this project for consumers to actually access MOS, we are going to make those data feeds available with the permission of each provider to other kinds of platforms. So your Google Maps and Apple Maps, your MoveIts and other kinds of trip planning applications, uh, because our long-term goal is not to be in the app business as a DOT. We're in the business of helping to facilitate sharing that information so the public can get moss in whatever place they're looking. So that's one part that is going to be new, um, is that openness of the platform, not having that driven by our app maker, but but a system that is independent running behind the scenes. And then a really heavy focus on data standardization. So we'll be implementing the General Transit Feed Specification, or GTFS, for transit agencies, including GTFS Flex, which is the version that is still emerging that covers demand response systems like our rural providers. 
But we're also looking at some other kind of emerging standards. So looking at standardizing the actual trip data for for those demand response trips, and rather not just looking up how to get from point A to point B in a standardized way, but also when I actually book that trip, that information being standardized. And so our goal with that is if the data is standardized, if it's open and available to different software companies and different entities, then it makes it easier for these integrations to happen. And then we're removing the technology barrier. And then the only thing left is the the policy and economic barriers, which are a whole nother kettle of fish that you have to get through to get these projects off the ground. But I think by addressing those technology needs, we're going to make it easier to do really innovative projects in the future. Yeah, it's fantastic to hear about that level of getting the data standards in place so that you can create a more scalable process. Because when you have standards, then you can apply it easily across all these seven agencies and even farther beyond into other parts of the state. It sounds like a lot of alignment was done amongst the organizations just to request the grant. So it sounds like a lot of people are already on the same page about wanting to have better accessibility between the agencies within this part of the state. I'm curious what it's been like now that you've won the grant and you're uh, moving into implementation, are there any sort of things you're discovering about taking it to the next level of actually getting things working? Yeah, an important part of pulling together the grant application was making sure we had partners that were actively interested in the project that saw the value. And so, you know, the the list of partner agencies that we started with when we started putting together the application wasn't the same list that actually ended up being submitted because not every agency we talked to saw the value or had the capacity to work with us on this project. But we definitely saw the need There were various planning documents that had been put together over the years that identified trip planning and and e-ticketing and better integration of data as something that many agencies were interested in pursuing, creating that better experience for their riders and also giving them an opportunity to do more integration of technology. So there was definitely an interest there. And then it was getting with those agencies and, and helping them see that value helping explain what their commitment on the project was. And from our perspective at MnDOT, trying to take on as many of the kind of hairy things that often turn off agencies like doing reporting and dealing with the money part of it. We, we took care of that and really made it their active part of the innovation and helping us improve uh, what we're trying to build. The other part was talking with some of the dispatching and routing software companies. So uh, we have four companies uh, in Minnesota that work with our different rural agencies to to provide dispatching and routing software services. They all uh, in that industry in general is very fragmented, um, very siloed. And what we're talking about with this new data standard and open platform was really creating a pathway to integrate data from those different providers in a single place and making it not vendor specific. So any vendor could step in and provide that information on the platform. And so I think what we needed to do to bring those folks along was explain the value to them and how Uh, This is a direction the industry is going and that it would be good for them to be a part of developing this process so they could bring their perspective, their experience, um, so we get a better product for for the whole industry. So I'm curious in terms of 
having a example of what a writer will be able to do that they can't do now. It sounds like there's some of the innovation here is around integrating the urban with the rural. And you've mentioned booking. So is the idea that at the end of the day, someone will be able to open the transit app and book a ride from a rural area into an urban area, transfer perhaps onto a fixed route in that urban area and get to their final destination or uh, something along that line? Is that a is that a scenario that you're envisioning? Yeah, definitely. There's there's multiple levels of things that, that we're doing that are new. You know, when, when we did an analysis early on looking at GTFS as a technology, what we found is we have 35 public transit systems in greater Minnesota, and only four of them had developed their own GTFS data feeds. So that's that data that feeds into the trip planner that tells you things like route and timetables and things like that. And so we had a fundamental disconnect, which was that most of our agencies didn't have data out there at all. <laughs> so at the very basic level of even being able to see what your options are, that's going to be a huge step forward. I think a big part of that as well is integrating these rural systems that you know they don't have fixed routes. They're actually not even under our agreements with them allowed to do fixed routes. They, they have to be much more flexible, what we call demand response. So calling up a dial ride, calling up and, and getting a ride scheduled or a deviated route. So there is some sort of route, but, but you can call and they'll go off the route to come pick you up. So the issue there is that there's been some early work, as I mentioned with GTFS, Flex, to try to get that data onto trip planners, but it hasn't been widely adopted yet. And so I think what we're going to be doing in this project is bringing that information in a searchable format to a one of the leading trip planning apps, Transit App, um, which is available in hundreds of markets where before, if that data was available, it was only available in very limited pilot trip planners. Like I know Vermont DOT did a trip planner, but again, that's something that the DOT is building and doesn't have necessarily the reach of something like a commercial app. So I think that at the most basic level, we're just gonna have a lot more information across a larger region for people to be able to know what their options are. Um, and then I think being able to take the next step, which is to make it easier to actually get those trips completed, I think, which is to your point, is there an option for multi-leg trips across different providers? And I think that's kind of the second phase and the second part of this project that's going to be really innovative, especially using those rural systems where today you can do it. You can call a rural provider and, and they will work with Another provider, like if you're crossing provider zones, they will work with you to figure out how those trips will work. But it requires, you know, a person on the phone working with you, them connecting and talking to those other agencies. And I think by creating this digital platform that allows that information to go back and forth, we're going to make it a lot easier to schedule those kind of trips, to be able to pay for those kind of trips to add options like inner city bus or maybe things like micro mobility scooters or bikes at the end of a trip to maybe make a last mile connection. Um, so I think that idea of you're not just limited to trying to figure out this patchwork of different services kind of all by yourself, but you're gonna have all that information in a single place. 
That's fantastic. And it, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. So the the booking part is part of the plan, but it's a second phase. And really the first phase is really building on this foundation of reliable standardized data. And getting that data for fixed route is sounds like still effortful because you're building in that pipeline, right? That you're, you're generating the data. The standards are fairly well developed at this point because this would be the standard GTFS, which is designed around fixed route getting that in place and making sure all the agencies are able to produce it and and update it well. But then I hear this this extra piece, which is getting that for the rural agencies also, producing that data. So you've got production of the data, again, in a, in a reliable way, but then you've also got the consumption of it by an app developer that is out there in the world. So is this the first application of GTFS Flex by Transit App? You're, you're the first ones to do this? That's exciting. It is. It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of interest. I, I know there's been, you know, some work done in trying to get things like Google Transit and Apple Maps to consume this data, and that's been a challenge. So I think taking one of the market leaders uh, transit app and and being able to work with them to put this data on there shows a pathway for that it'll show a marketplace for that and hopefully move that conversation so that other kinds of platforms will consume that data and and get that out to the general public yeah it's a real issue in rural transit that the services are not visible except by knowing exactly what google search to craft right and you can't just go and say, hey, I want to go from here to here. What's available and have it come up on one of these sort of itinerary creating you know, apps, whether it's Google Maps or Apple Maps or Transit app or Move It, which is really, it's a very short list of, of services out there. And before this project, none of them, to our knowledge anyways, have been working on integrating rural demand responsive transportation in them. So this is very exciting. So talk a little bit about what you think this could mean. I mean, it seems like there's some obvious implications for rural transit outside of Minnesota, but spell it out for me. Like, what, what do you see this could look like in, um, in the months to come? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we're trying to do here is, and one of the advantages of doing this in a regional basis and having the DOT lead this is, you know, our ability and bandwidth to go out and get these services and set up these partnerships in a way that one of the challenges of, of rural transit is agencies are by definition fairly small. We have some big ones. We have, we have an agency that has a service area the size of West Virginia, but in general, they're not that big. <laughs> and, um, and it's hard. Uh, and they also on a staffing from a staffing point of view, people wear a lot of hats. And so the ability for these small agencies to go out and be able to get this modern technology is, is limited, both on their, their ability to do it, their bandwidth, and then just the size of the service that they have makes it hard to go out and compete for that. So I think, I think it's creating a model for that more of a regional cooperation. Um, some other examples of this, if folks want to take a look at the NeoRides uh, project that's that's really a conglomeration of, I think, now over a dozen transit services that are doing a unified payment system. Uh, the other one would be a mobility marketplace that CalITP is putting together to procure 
these kind of technologies on a cooperative procurement so that allows these small agencies to buy into it. I think that's a big part of trying to get rural transit really up to date with technologies that the general public are now expecting. And so, you know, part of that from our perspective that's moving the ball is giving people that experience, giving them the experience that they've become accustomed to with apps like Uber and Lyft of being able to see information and make choices based on that and in, in potentially in real time. That's the, that's the end goal, but we have to do a lot of things behind the scenes to make that happen. And so I think doing things like creating these data standards for, uh, for that transactional data is an important part, giving the industry something not just a Minnesota, but an industry-wide uh, way of programming data, and then getting the, the major players in the software side to come along with us in that. So all of that, I think, is going to be exciting, not just within Minnesota, but for uh, the transit industry in general, especially for, for rural transit uh, because, uh, you know, I think we're trying to unlock some functionality that it's been hard for those agencies to get to just because of the nature of the size and you know, operational models they're under right now. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of barriers for rural transit, right? There's sort of the obvious issue of scale, right? That a lot of these agencies, most of them don't have their own internal IT departments, right? So they're not going to be resourced to be able to produce data, let alone advocate with a, a major software vendor and say, hey, you should change your functionality. You should you should be consuming our services and getting them into, into your apps. So that sounds like there's a real recognition within Minnesota DOT that the leadership needed to come at the state level. And that's new, right? I mean, traditionally, state DOTs have not really played a role with that with respect to transit, right? The role of, of state DOTs has been dispersers of money and the compliance and making sure that that money is well spent or at least spent um, according to the rules. You want to say a little bit of what's that been like institutionally to make that pivot to stepping up and taking that kind of leadership? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that we realized in putting together a project like this is the need to go bigger to get where we want to be. So, you know, you, you referenced that these agencies just don't have the size and scale to track the interest of private development money and other kinds of players in this space to really program for rural transit. But if we look at it, if you look at all of the transit agencies in the United States, just by number, the vast majority are rural. You know, California has over 100 transit agencies. Um, most of those are not the ones you think of, like, like LA Metro. And so I think, at least in, in our instance, we had done some early work in previous years of trying to move agencies towards more technology but fundamentally, one of the issues that we get into when we talk about things like trip planning and data integration is we all have to be on the same page and we have to create that standardized open way of being able to talk to each other. And if even if an agency has its own resources to do it, if they're building something that is closed and proprietary and the next agency is doing that same thing and they can't talk to each other, then the utility of the technology isn't as great. A lot of the service area boundaries are 
political boundaries. Um, they're not the boundaries of the natural travel patterns of the population. And so if I'm trying to get from town A to town B, the fact that there's a county line there doesn't even really come up in my mind, <laughs> that, that, that there might be different kinds of services or different different rules and things like that. And so I think when we're looking at trying to pull all of these entities together, it doesn't help for us all to be doing it separately. We need to do, be doing that collectively. And I think that the DOT is in a unique position as, as the funding partner for these agencies, as an entity that has the, the size and resources to make investment decisions. I think that's an important part of the conversation, and I think that's one of the reasons why we're stepping into this space. I will say part of this pilot is to understand moving forward what our role is going to be in this technology, who's going to do what. You know, as I mentioned, I don't, we're not an app company. That's not our goal. Our long-term goal is not to have a single MnDOT app to rule them all. We've, we've already kind of gone down that path of that's not a space that we need to be the leader in. But the question of all these different technologies, what we've done in the past is given an agency money and said, you go procure that. And I think what we're getting to the point at with all of these different technologies and how they need to talk together, that may not be a useful model anymore. Or, or if that's still a model we use, then there needs to be some yes and provisions that yes, we're going to give you this money, but it needs to follow these kind of guidelines to make sure it'll work with all these other um, parts of the platform. So so I think it's it's where the technology is now really needs players at a more regional and statewide scale to be thinking about how these things are all going to interact together. Right. And if we're operating in a world where there are standards, which we partially live in that world, in a limited way, then it seems like the local entities potentially have the freedom to choose their vendors and know that they'll just be able to plug into these more regional or statewide systems, right? But it that we're not quite in that world yet. And so some of those standards are missing or they're very immature. And so it, what I really hear you saying is that, that MnDOT is stepping up in that place of assuring the standards, fostering them, working, you know, having sort of being a player with enough heft that you can get the attention of the private tech world and say, hey, we want to advance these these outcomes within our state. We'll pay you and we'll also help build out the, the frameworks so that it can work elsewhere. So I'm curious. So let me ask you from the perspective of, because I feel like, you know, some of our listeners could be working at state DOTs, as you do. Some of them might be working at regional planning organizations. Others could be working at agencies. And maybe we can think about them in turn. For someone working at, at a state DOT in another state, what can they glean from your project? And what should they be looking ahead to? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things that are happening that I think are useful uh, you know, we uh, recently completed a statewide transit technology plan, so that was really an opportunity to meet with our transit agencies around the state and understand what technologies they would they think are important and to help us formulate the strategy moving forward. Some of the things that are helpful for us, you know, we got an FTA grant. We have a pretty robust state funding program for transit, so. You know, we have some resources to be able to experiment in this space, but I think 
even in a DOT that doesn't have that, you have a lot of ability to move the conversation because in most cases, you are the recipient and pass through for federal funding. And then if your state provides additional state funding, you're providing that. So you are a key entity in that whole relationship between the transit agencies, the software providers, all of the different components that make public transit and shared mobility work. And so I think even if you don't have the resources to drive particular projects yourself, you can do things like thinking about setting up requirements and procurements that follow best practices in the industry, you know, and that's standardizing data. And we're even seeing that you're going to have to do it anyway, because FTA is now moving towards a plan to require GTFS as part of the data submitted for the uh, National Transit Database. So those are the things you can be looking at. How do you maybe represent your transit agencies in discussions with their vendors to talk about these different kinds of standardization? And then just support work of projects like ours. We're welcoming anyone who is doing work in this space. We're in conversations with other projects that are doing similar kind of work so that we're creating not just a Minnesota project, but projects all around the country that are moving the ball on this. So there's an opportunity also just to to work with the agencies that are already doing the work in this space and offer your support. Excellent. And how about for the rural transit agency and for the, the planners, either small urban or more rural regions, what do you think they can glean from this project and what should they be looking forward to that maybe a project that maybe they want to do is maybe more viable um, because of what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I think if we end up developing um, this standardized way of sharing transactional data um, for their actual trips they're providing, and we have some you know major players. So in, in these projects, we're talking about companies like TripSpark and RouteMatch and CTS TripMaster. These are not just regional players. They have customers all over the country, and we're talking with all of the different providers in this space about this project. I think if we move that along, you're going to see some functionality possibly come up that you didn't even have to pay for. So you know, one of the things from my experience in the bike share industry is when I got started, we didn't have a standardized way of sharing information. And we developed a thing called GBFS, which is the general bike share feed specification. And our software vendor decided to adopt that. And it became a button in my dashboard that I could turn on and share data with trip planning applications. So that kind of functionality, those are the things that could get developed in this project where you've got some additional functionality that, you know, you didn't necessarily even ask for that's going to be available, that's going to allow you to do more of these kinds of integrations. I think the other thing to think about is to kind of replicate what we were doing from the DOT's position in creating a whole coalition of different entities that were moving forward on a project. So thinking regionally, thinking about, you know, in our state, most of the rural providers are already talking to the, the provider next door because there's a need to move their passengers between those services. So take that a step further and move forward as a group looking at these kind of technologies because as a group, you can pull together resources and you create an economy of scale that might allow you to have conversations with your 
dispatching and routing partners possibly be able to access other kinds of resources to, to plan around this. So I think thinking more regionally and how you can take advantage of partnerships with other providers in your area is a big part of it as well. Great. I'd like to take a moment. We haven't really talked about um, ticketing and ticketing is part of your project also. Um, can you say a little bit about what you're working on there and you mentioned Token as the vendor, at least one of the main vendors around the e-ticketing side. And what does that look like? And is there any kind of standardization of any elements there? Um, yeah. So when we put together this project, part of that analysis of our partner agencies, you know, I mentioned earlier that we found out many of them didn't have GTFS. I, I like to joke when we started, not all of our transit agencies knew how to spell GTFS. And um, now, now they're all up to date and excited about it. But we also found out that almost none of them had e-ticketing, even though that was one of the things that probably the top request um, as far as technology that, that was out there and sort of different planning documents. And so we wanted to provide that on the service. So we, uh, when we put our, our RFP together, um, which had all these kinds of services, we asked for e-ticketing. And so Token will be an integrated part of the transit app for, especially for our rural agencies that, that didn't have that option. As far as kind of how we think about in that longer term standardization, that's something that we're not going to bite off in this particular pilot, but it's something that is um, on the horizon as possible next phases. So we think about, you know, this is an analysis of, of these different technologies to make decisions about future technology investments, but we're going to also uncover more need. And we're going to be looking at things like payment, not just on the consumer side, but also things like reimbursable trips, like non-emergency medical veterans, um, other social services kinds of trips would be something we'd be looking at in the future. How do we get that information more standardized, which is another part of you know helping provide those trips in, in kind of an interoperable way. You know, the other thing we're thinking about is other forms of transportation. We have a parking partner with MnDOT that we've been talking that may or may not be a part of this project, but we're thinking about that in the future how parking and transit work together, maybe in commuting um, and creating kind of more of a mobility wallet. Uh, we're also looking at things like uh, long-term, the, the distance-based uh, fee as a replacement for the gas tax. Um, as we're seeing electrification of transportation, uh, this is a possible replacement as gas consumption potentially goes down, being replaced by electric vehicles. We need a way to replace those funds. And those are the kind of technologies you could integrate into a system like this and create all kinds of carrots and sticks to help change behavior depending on traffic congestion or pollution on a particular day or general longer-term policy decisions. So that's an exciting part of this as well is um, how this could fit into the total transportation landscape and and really help move the needle on changing travel patterns. Yeah, it sounds like it's still early days for e-ticketing in terms of having standards, right? So sounds like the, the push you're working on for um, this project and this phase is 
um, where there are fares, where there is um, an opportunity for there to be e-ticketing, get it in place, and then and then that allows in future phases for there to be integrations with either between agencies or between modes and with other things such as um, parking, as you mentioned. So that's exciting. And anything else you want to say about that? Sounds like you're you could see it off in the distance that there's this these possibilities for influencing and sort of pricing different kinds of options in a more flexible way and some in a way that is I mean this is kind of the brass ring of of Moss when it was first presented is people get to see this menu of options they get to see the costs associated with them and and then right there within their app as they're sort of um making their decision either in the moment or for their trip tomorrow or whatever saying oh i'm going to choose this option because i can see it's it's cheaper or it's you know i've already part of this package that allows me to maybe uh use this uh park and ride together with transit and so okay i'm going to go with that yeah what you're talking about is 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 unlocking new innovative business models that are haven't been possible so you know on the transit and shared mobility side you know it's been very fragmented so it's been hard for people to pull all that information together into a single place and make actionable decisions right but we're also seeing developments on even on the automotive side the gas tax is a highly efficient way of collecting money, but it's a blunt tool. <laughs> and if we move to distance-based fee, that is a much more sophisticated tool um, that can do things like dynamic pricing and be able to integrate with these other data feeds to really give people much more choices, to give us more ability to provide incentives to change travel behaviors uh, that that um, are beneficial to to public policy and to the community at whole. And so, what's exciting to me about this technology is laying the groundwork for that. We don't know what those those kind of innovative business models will look like moving forward, but we want to remove technology as the barrier. You know, then we get into the business, the political, the, the, you know, organizational strategies and things like that, which are a whole nother barrier you have to get over. But the technology right now is, is a little disjointed and, and isn't living up to that potential. So I think we're trying to move the whole uh, industry along in this space to unlock those possibilities of doing different kinds of ways of serving the public um, that, these kind of MOS technologies potentially allow us to do. And that's that's the exciting part of the project. Yeah, it's just so exciting to see these components of MOS that have been talked about for ages and have been partially implemented in some parts of the world, Europe and Asia, you know, stand out. But to see that happening in the United States in a, and in a way that includes the full range of communities so that we're, we're talking about uh, small urban and rural and bringing them into the fold so that it's not just sort of relegated to or only for large urban areas. So that is just lovely to hear about. You know, one of the things that that uh, that is important about this project as well as how it fits into the bigger work that I'm doing in shared mobility we're in the midst of developing programming to help 
take from the idea somebody has of a new way to serve their community uh, all the way to piloting to if successful scaling up to a long-term solution uh, those are things that haven't been done uh, in small urban and rural areas the focus has always been on those you know, highly dense urban areas. And some of those technologies will work, some of those won't. There'll be some unique technologies and solutions uh, and innovations that I think will be especially helpful for these smaller communities around Minnesota and around the country. I think for those to be as successful as possible, we're going to need a platform like Moss to help tie all those things together. So to me, also, you know, how this fits into our larger plan and the work I'm doing around shared mobility is really creating the skeleton, right? The technological skeleton that we can fill in with all these new services that we're going to develop and allow them the best opportunity to succeed long-term. It's a very exciting project. I look forward to hearing more about it as it progresses. Fantastic. Well, Elliot McFadden, thank you so much for joining the podcast and talking about the project. If anyone wants to find you, where can they find you? Uh, probably the best way to find me is on LinkedIn, but you can also go to the transit page at Minnesota DOT and there'll be places there where you can connect with me as well. You've been listening to a conversation with Elliot McFadden, the Greater Minnesota Shared Mobility Program Coordinator at the Minnesota Department of Transportation. Thanks for listening. I'm Kevin Chambers and Conversations with Leaders is a podcast of the National Center for Mobility Management. Check out our resources aimed at mobility managers at nc4mm.org. A link to this podcast can also be found at nc4mm.org slash blog.